Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody. It's a wonderful day outside. I love the weather. God is just so very good to us, as he is every day. Pretty awesome. I also want to say good morning to all of those on the, our Facebook viewers. This is a great day to be uh, gathered together as a family, getting to God's word. And um, what we're going to do is, um, Chuck had asked me that uh, once a month, he wanted me to, uh, to teach on something, and I selected the book, The Epistle of uh, Galatians, an Epistle of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the Epistle of Galatians. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one behind your pew there, but um, it's very important to get your eyes on God's Word as we go through it. And this is going to be a series. It'll be once a month. So there'll be a, a, a few weeks between each teaching. However, um, what I want to do is I want to make this a comprehensive walk through Galatians. Sort of like we're going to plant ourselves in a lot of different areas here in Galatians and learn a lot. And then from the time when uh, in between our series... Read, uh, you know, read Galatians. Go through it. Take your notebook and write down some things that the Lord is sharing with you from Galatians. Now, a lot of you have read Galatians already. A lot of you have already studied it. So there's a lot of beautiful truths that are coming out of there that you have that is good to share with one another. So that, that would be something good to do. Um, another thing is, is I want you to, to get it in your mind that this is the word of God to you. God has something very special to share with you, to change your entire life. And I'm telling you, God's word is so powerful that it will change your life. So if you're looking for a change in your life, if you're looking for something different, it's right here in God's word. So we're going to do that, okay? So does everybody have Galatians? Is everybody there? Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God's blessing on the start of this series. Most precious Heavenly Father, your word is, is stable. Your word is a foundation. We need it. We desire it. We pray you put a hunger in our heart for it like never before. Teach us, we pray, as only you can through your Holy Spirit. We ask this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Galatians is a, uh, a very good epistle for us to start looking into. And the Holy Spirit used the Apostle Paul to write this epistle. Okay, now who is Paul? We see him showing up in Acts chapter 8. And there he was, okay, consenting to the murder of another Christian that was boisterous about his faith to the Jews called Stephen. That was his name. And here he, he was. He, he was a religious Jew. He was on fire for Judaism. And he thought he was actually doing God a service, that he was doing God a service in persecuting Christians. Um, but anyway, then we see Paul, his conversion. In chapter 9, okay, didn't take long after that, we see Paul come to Christ, 
Okay, but now that he's come to Christ, he is um, being on fire for the Lord. His fervor and his heart was now pointed in the right direction. And who was his audience? Who was Paul's audience? Paul's audience was the Gentiles. God had sent him out to the Gentiles. Now, this particular gentleman, Paul, was no joke. He was a strong person with a very strong personality. Okay, he took his calling very serious. He took his calling serious. He was a devout person and he was a man that was of no compromise. He didn't compromise. So this is the type of a person that wrote Galatians. Okay. Um, He was a man of God's word. He loved God's word and he stood strong for God's word. Okay, that was Paul. It was written sometime around A.D. Uh, 60. Uh, you were around then, weren't you? AD 60? Yeah, he was. Okay, so A.D. 60. I was just little then. A.D. 60. Okay, and, and Rome was in power at this time. And you had about 60 million people. It's a lot of people that were, uh, you know, accounted for as part of the Roman Empire. It's a lot of people. But do you know they had a large population of slaves? Some, some, some historians said about one-third or one-sixth were slaves. That's a lot of slaves. And isn't it interesting that in the midst of a, of a society like that, that God brings Paul in and God brings the gospel in. It's very interesting. Okay, who was the ruler of the day? What was the, the flavor of the, of the political structure? Nero. Nero was on the throne. Nero the emperor. Boy, that guy took his throne at 17 years old. And you know how he got his throne? Claudius was the emperor before him. But Claudius died. Oh, actually he was murdered. Guess who murdered Claudius? Nero's mother. And put him on the throne. My, this guy was, he was something else, wasn't he? But then his mother was murdered. Guess who murdered his mother? Nero. This guy was no joke when it came to political uh, stability in the Roman Empire. And he did not like Christians. Okay? Now, Galatia, as you'll see, or Galatians, was not... um, was not a one specific location. It was a region, Galatia. So when we look at here to the Galatians or to Galatia, it's sort of like if you look at uh, St. Clair County and you have all of the different churches in St. Clair County. Well, that's what we see here in Galatia, okay, where Paul in, in that region, uh, which was in uh, Asia Minor, which, was Tur- which is Turkey today. So that's the, the region that we're in. Okay, Turkey. And he, he started and established a lot of churches all over the place. And there we have the people of Galatians or Galatia in Asia Minor. Okay, um, some of the places you'll notice in the New Testament where these churches or places that Paul has been in, in the New Testament, you'll hear some of the names Antioch, Lystra, Derby. Iconium. Those are some of the words, uh, some of the places where the churches he established and places that he visited. Okay? So, while Paul went out and started these churches, guys, guess what happened? These men that were Jews and Christians, you know, they were, you know, came to Christianity, but they were Jews. They still held on to the thought that you had to keep the law in order to be a Christian. So when Paul would start the church and preach God's word, he would leave to another one. Who do you think came in through the back door and started teaching these false teachings? 
these gentlemen that came in. We're going to meet some of the product of what they've been teaching as we go through Galatians. Now, God didn't take, that didn't take God by surprise. That problem didn't take God by surprise. God turned it around. And what we see now, what we're learning now, because of this false teaching and because of the people coming in teaching these things, and how Paul came up against it, we're learning now the result of what Paul had to face. He had to face these things. It's written down, and now we can learn from it. So God just turned all of that around for our good. What is the theme of Galatians when we look in here, guys? The theme is that, that it is the defense of God's grace against those who think otherwise. Okay? It is defense. It is the defense of God's grace against those who want to trust something else or in doing something else. You see what I mean? So that's what the theme is. Defense of God's grace. All right? Now, what I would like for us to come away with in this series, and what I would love to come away with myself, is to see and to know the true gift of God's amazing grace. If we can just grab a hold of that little bit of truth as we look through Galatians and as your home reading Galatians, what is the true and what is the true meaning of God's amazing grace? I think we're going to have a great benefit as we read it. Grace is beautiful. And we're going to talk a lot about grace. Grace is wonderful. But what is grace? Grace is having a wonderful, loving God give undeserving us, an unearning us, a free, loving, beautiful gift that he just spontaneously threw on us at no cost to you and no cost to me. God's grace is designed, listen to this, to bring you joy, to bring you pleasure, and to benefit one's life. That's what it's for. And you can't earn it. You can't work for it. You just got to receive it. So God's grace is designed by God just for you. Okay? And why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you very, very much. Okay. I want you to listen to one verse out of Galatians. Look at verse two, uh, chapter 2 and verse 20. And then we're going to start right in there into verse 1 of chapter 1. But I want you to get a feeling of, of what Paul's view is of how we should live our life. Look at verse 20. Very familiar scripture. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live, right, that I live in the flesh, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, the question is, as we begin our study, how are we currently living in the flesh as related to God day by day? How are we living in our flesh related to God? Paul says that we should be living by faith in the Son of God. And that's where I want to be. So, 
The theme of Galatians is all about defense of God's grace, and defend it, Paul does. So let's get started. Let's look at verse 1. Now, just so you know where I'm going, this is just our introduction. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the first five verses as our introduction today, and we'll stop there, and then we'll move forward the next time we meet. But let's take a look, and let's, let's uh, plant our, um, our tent right there in uh, the first five verses, and let's read verse one through three together. And this is Paul's introduction to the churches in Galatia with all of that historical background going on, okay? Verse one, Paul an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Beautiful introduction from my brother Paul. Look what it says in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle. Now, some people might argue Paul's apostleship, and we're going to see that here. And all through the New Testament, you see a lot of people argue the fact and fight against Paul and his authority and his position as an apostle. But here Paul steps out and he says in his introduction who he is. I am an apostle, right? I am an apostle. But notice what it also says here. It says, not from man. Not from man. Listen, Paul did not have some ordination service, and everyone laid their hands on him, and then him given the certificate as Apostle Paul. He didn't have that. That didn't happen to him. And look what it also says. It says, not through man. Okay? Paul did not come up through the ranks in, in Christianum. He didn't attend some fancy Christian school, Bible college, and, and graduate, you know, the top of his class, and given the certificate of apostle. It's not how we got it. He says he is an apostle through Jesus Christ and God the Father. That's how he got his apostleship. Now, how does a person know that? Well, I think a person knows that when they look within themselves. Paul must have looked at himself in the mirror. And he must have said, what does God call me? I know I met him on the Damascus Road. I know what God told me. I know who God sent me to. I even know the things I'm going to have to suffer. So I know what I am. Now, I ask myself and I ask you, what about you? You met the Lord on your Damascus Road. God has spoken to you. God has given you a gift. God has graciously called you out amongst the world of those that don't know him and given you the great gift of faith to trust him. And do you know he's given you gifts that are amazing gifts to be used for the body, for me? Do you know how messed up I am? I need your gifts. I need you to share them with me. And share them with one another. So, here he is, and here we are. Look, you may not have the credentials. You may not have the stamp of approval from the right theological seminary. But you know what? 
Whatever it is that you are, that God's called you to be, mom, dad, sister, brother, employer, employee, pastor, preacher, teacher, son, daughter. I don't know what God's called you to do or be. But if God's called you, it's not from man and it's not through man. And all you have to do is be a Paul and step out and let God use you. And you know what? He knows everything anyway, so he'll take care of all of the incidentals. You just step out in faith and trust the Lord. Let him do that. He's good at that. Okay, also, also in verse 1, notice it says here, it says, Jesus Christ and God the Father. Did you catch that? It says here, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. He so easily transitions in his wording Using Jesus Christ and God the Father together like it is nothing, right? Like they're one. Interesting, right? That's how Paul views God the Father and Jesus Christ. He views them just like Jesus said. Look what Jesus said in John 10, verse 30. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. That's what Jesus said. Paul, when you look here, he he uses and identifies them both together as one. Jesus Christ and God the Father. Too easy, right? I love that. And that's what he wanted the Galatians to understand as he talked and explained about his relationship to God the Father and to Jesus Christ. Now, look what he, he uses a word there called Father. He says, God the Father. Not just God and stop. He says God the Father. This is showing Paul's relationship to God the Father, to God, that he's his father. Now, I know some of us might think that's a simple thing, but think for a minute. Remember, we're tented down here. We're planted in Galatians, all right? So let's think about this for a minute. When you, st- when you speak to God the Father in your prayer time, when you're alone with the Lord in your car or you're, you're, you're at home doing the dishes or whatever it is that you're doing and you're talking to the Lord, do you view him as your father that is right next to you, checking you out, saying I love you? What are we doing next after the dishes? Well, I got to go cut the lawn. Well, let's go cut the lawn. Well, I got to go call my mom on the phone. Well, let's call your mom. Do you have that close relationship as Paul did? As he's trying to tell the Galatians, look, when you talk to God, you can call him your father. Isn't that what Jesus also said? Our father, who art in heaven, our father. So if those of you that have not viewed God as your father, you can do that. If you're born again and you're saved, he loves you. And I think he really likes that, too, when you talk to him, just like he's your dad. He is. He's a father. Okay? Also, in verse 1, it says, who raised him from the dead? Who raised Jesus from the dead? Who raised Jesus from the dead? Let me look. It says that the father raised him from the dead. Okay? That settles it. So, the Galatians, as well as us, have to face a fact. And this fact is that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. Some would say, okay, fine, but I want you to stop for a minute. I want you to think this through. 
Do I really believe that Jesus rose again from the dead? Richard, let me think for a minute. Do you really believe? I've never seen anybody raised from the dead. I've hardly seen any miracles. I don't know. I've seen a couple people healed here and there. People sick calling up telling me that, oh, man, when it was just nothing and the fever left me. <laughs> I've heard stuff like that. I've never seen the dead rise. But do you actually believe this, Galatians? Do you actually believe this, Richard? Do you guys actually believe Jesus rose from the dead? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It is so essential, guys. It is so essential for our salvation. Look with me, turn with me to John chapter 7. Keep your finger in Galatians. Go to John chapter 7. And as you're traveling over there, I want you to keep this in mind. The importance of believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to go to two scriptures. One is in John, one is in 1 Corinthians. Look at John chapter 7. Keep in mind the importance of believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 38. Look at verse 38. Jesus speaking says, He who believes in me, as the scriptures, as the scripture has said. Now, wait a minute. Let's stop there for a minute. You guys and I just said we believe Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is saying, He that believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believe in him, that's us, would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given at that particular time because Jesus was not yet glorified. He hadn't risen from the dead yet, but he has. And therefore we have that spirit. Now we believe. Look at 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians. Keep your finger in Galatians. Go to 1 Corinthians. And look at chapter 15. And once again, keep in your mind how important it is to believe in Christ's resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to look at verse 13. And it reads, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Interesting. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And then, of course, it goes on. Once again, the great importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He brings that out in Galatians. Go back to Galatians. And he says here. And he brings it up. About the father raising Jesus from the dead. Very beautiful. Very, and right in the introduction. Right in the introduction. I love it. I love it. Now. Let's look at um, verse 2. Verse 2 says. And all the brethren who are with me. Do you see that? It says it here at the very end. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Paul was not alone in all of this. 
Paul was not alone in all of this. He had the brothers that were with him. They stood by him through these things. He did. He had the brethren with him. And you know what? We have the brethren with us too. How important it is. Number one, to understand you're not alone in your plight. You're not alone in what you're going through. Don't ever believe the enemy's lies when he says, you're the only one going through what you're going through because you're not. And then the second thing here about the brethren is fellowship. Guys, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of fellowship. Do you know you might just have the word of God that God gave you in the morning while you're doing the dishes, God spoke a word to you, and you were so glad and happy, and you thought it was all for you, but it was also for me too that's going through something that we were going to fellowship today, either going to see a play, right, like we did yesterday, or we're going to come to church here, or we're going to cut the lawn, or clean the church, or fellowship at your house, or a Bible study, I don't know, whatever. Or dinner, I like the dinners, invite me to dinner. Or wherever the fellowships are. And all of a sudden, you whisper that word to me. And that is God's word to me that God wants to speak to set me free, strengthen me, encourage me, or set me on the right path. Guys, I'm telling you, as the brethren are all with me. That's what Paul is telling these guys here. Hey, I'm not alone in this. I am not alone in this. Okay, look also where it says in verse 2, to the churches of Galatia. So this was addressed to the churches of Galatia. It was. Okay, fine. So if it's addressed to the churches of Galatia, what does it have to do with me? You know, why do I have to listen? You know, why do I have to look at, you know, if, if it's written to them, so what? Uh-uh, uh-uh, you're not getting out that easy. Listen to 2 Timothy, guys. Chapter 3, verse 16. 316, isn't that awesome? 2 Timothy. It says this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if anyone whispers in your ears, you're reading Judges, Genesis, Exodus, Levitic, Micah, Hosea. Anywhere in the Bible you're reading and someone whispers in your ear, ah, that's not for you. That doesn't apply. No. You go right to 2 Timothy. Where is it? 3.16. And you say all scripture. No, that, this is for me. So when we're reading this and, and he's addressing it to these uh, uh, brothers and sisters in Galatia, he's addressing it to us as well. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Beautiful. Verse 3, he says, grace to you from God. Did you see that? It says, grace to you and peace from God. That's what he says. So grace to you from God. Now, grace, if we take grace, the word grace, and we can apply it to get a picture of it, it would be the picture of beautiful or gracefulness. That's the picture of the word grace. The very beautiful character or gracefulness of a person, the very beautiful character of God, our Heavenly Father, is beautifully gracious. 
Now, guys, you got to get this. God's very character, that which he is, that which he does, that which he responds to you by, that which how he views you by, how he um, uh, treats you, how he answers your prayers, how he listens to you, how he's watching you right now, okay? He does this by his character. Listen again about his character. The very beautiful character of God, our Heavenly Father, is beautifully gracious. True beauty is God's gracefulness to us. That's his true beauty. You want to see the beautifulness of God? Look at the grace that he sheds on your life. Amazing. Amazing. Now, I'm going to give you guys a definition of grace. I'm going to give you a definition of grace. But before I give you this definition, I want you to remember back before you were saved. Remember back, well, let me put it this way. Remember back when you were a mess. Remember back when you were in your sin on a fast track to hell with no hope, with no salvation, suffering under sin, guilt, and shame with no way out. Think that, yeah, okay, I, can, I think I got it. Man, that was a bad time. I don't even want to think about that. But listen to this. Listen to this. Here's the definition. But God demonstrates his own love, his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. You see that? Do you see that definition? While you were thinking about what you were with no hope, he stepped in while you were sinners. And he did it by his love. Nobody else's love. It says his own love. God is love. His own love toward us. That is the true definition of grace. Lots of definitions out there. They're all good. Most of them. But here is a beautiful one for Romans 5.8. You want to know what grace is? Romans 5.8. Because I was a mess and God came and put his arms around me and made me his child. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Now, he also says here, peace from God. Okay? Verse 3. First he says the grace. Right? Verse 3, grace to you. And then he says, and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So, peace from God. Now, peace from God will show itself powerful over the turmoil and persecution that these Christians in Galatia were receiving. They were being persecuted. But God's peace would show itself powerful over the turmoil of life. Think about that. This is what God's peace does. They needed God's peace back then, and so do we. How many of you need God's peace? I know I do. I know I do. God's peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you know that if I could sell peace on a corner store 
I'll be a millionaire in about an hour. If I could say to the world, come and buy for $9.99 a jar of peace, they would be lying so long in Belleville, you thought that the people that showed up to our parades in town are nothing. Simply because the world is looking for peace and can't find it. Oh, they search all over, but it's not there. But the peace we're talking about, the peace Paul is talking about to them, comes from who? From God. That's the peace that will give you victory and power over the turmoil of your life. And it will guard your hearts and minds. Now, and that comes from Philippians 4, 7. If you and if I will let God's peace rule my heart in the decisions and the circumstances that I find myself in, we are going to be the victor, not the loser. Colossians 3.15, right? Let the peace of God rule. Listen again. If I would just allow the peace of God in the decisions I have to make rule I'm going to be the victor. Not, I mean, don't you have decisions you have to make? Some of you might have some very tough decisions to make right about now. Some of you might be going through things that some of us would never even dream you're going through. Is the peace of God ruling in that decision as you bring it to the Father? Man, that's so important. There's nothing better to be in the midst of a storm, decisions, turmoil, trouble, frustrations to have the peace of God show up and say, I got you. You just hang in there. I got you. How do you feel about this? But Lord, the storm is rising. But how do you feel? Well, I got that peace. Well, you're just where you need to be. Hang in there. I'm going to take you through. Take you through. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, verse 3. Notice again. In verse 3, he identifies, this is really cool. Notice again, he's identification of the father and son as the originators of this grace and peace. The father and son are the originators. So you can't get this peace we're talking about on the corner store, guys. You can only get it from God the father and the son. Okay, also, this beautiful saving grace we're talking about It comes first. Did you notice that? The grace comes first. And then once you have this beautiful grace, then that wonderful peace of God settles into your heart and life, and you then begin to enjoy the abundant life Jesus promised. Now, wait a minute. Abundant life. Wait, let me me, me read that again. Did I misread? No, no, it says it right here. John 10.10. Listen to John 10.10. Okay, now I'm going to tell you again, all right, this beautiful saving grace comes first. And once you have this beautiful grace, then the wonderful peace of God settles into your heart and life. And you begin to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus has promised. Jesus said this in John 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill, and to destroy. All three. He doesn't just come to do one. I, on the other hand, I have come that they, that's us, may have life, and that they 
may have it more abundantly. My question to you, brothers and sisters, is, is your life abundant? Are you living an abundant life? Now, you could, you could be in a palace being served your food five meals a day. Or you could be a pauper sitting in an impoverished third world jungle hut. God's truth is the same anywhere, anytime. Are you abundant in that grace? Are you abundant in that peace? But you don't know what I'm going through. You're absolutely right. I don't. You don't know what I'm going through. But is that peace abundant? Does that affect your entire life? Is it abundant? Because if it's not, I would recommend go talk to the Father and say, Lord, something needs to change here with me because I know it's not you. Because your word is true. Come on, let's put God's word to the test. God, you said it. My life has not been abundant lately. I'm missing out somewhere, and I don't want to. So, Lord, whatever it takes, if the storms around me are raging, I still want that peace and abundant life and grace that's shed out on me. Yes, yes, shed abroad. All right, verse 3 says, also, also, verse 3 says, our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that, guys, how he, he uses this term in his introduction to the churches of Galatia? I don't want you guys in Galatia to miss it. I want you to understand Paul is saying to everyone there how I approach this epistle in describing who God is, what he's done, his grace, his mercy, all of these wonderful things. And then he says here, after he finishes that, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, and that is not his first, middle, and last name, as a lot of people have used it and profaned it. That's not his first, middle, and last name. Listen, Lord is his position over us Christians. Lord is his relationship that we have to Jesus. Not everybody can call him Lord. Oh yeah, they use his name any your way. But they're the Lord of their lives, but not us, right? He's Lord. This is that relationship. Now, listen to the second part. The second one here says, Lord Jesus. Oh, Yeshua. Joshua. The Hebrew name is made from two Hebrew words. Yehovah, which means the self-existent or eternal one. That's him. Wait a minute. Let me look at him again. Jesus, Jesus, Yeshua, the self-existent eternal one. Wow. And then the second part of that Hebrew name, Yasha, to bring or to have salvation. That's all wrapped up in Jesus. Why do you think his name is so powerful when we use it? Why do you think when we walk around the devils tremble when you go to the supermarket and say Jesus? 
<laughs> you don't know that's happening, do you? How do you know when you're going through a troubled time and it's the enemy on your back bothering you? You wonder why you were in this attitude. You woke up this morning, had the greatest dreams, you had the greatest dinner of the night before, the, the sun is shining, you go to the kitchen and you got a lousy attitude. And you're wondering, where did this attitude come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It didn't come from God. It came from the world, flesh of the devil. And what you need to do is just say, Jesus, I need your help. Straighten my attitude out because I know this is not of you. And watch how powerful he does. Change you. But you don't see this. We don't see the spiritual world. The devil's shaking his boots. He's just mentioned his name. Jesus. The self-existent, eternal one that brings salvation. Yes, then Christ, the Messiah. A royal title with a mission to save mankind by his sacrificial death on his cross. That's the Messiah. So, Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4 and 5, and then we're done. Verse 4 says, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. And he finishes it up by saying, amen. Paul moves on to remind the churches of Galatia of God's great deliverance. Did you see that? Jesus gave himself. No one took his life. Jesus gave it. His death was for our sins. There was no fault in him. There was no measure of sin or wrong, whether willfully or unwillingly. Jesus Christ, perfect in every way. We were the ones in need of deliverance. Whether we were rich sitting in that palace or in some jungle hut in a third world country. Paul tells his readers in Galatia, and he tells us today, that this present world age, and ours today here, has people captive. And we were captive. We were doomed, and people are doomed to a life of guilt, a life of shame, and a life of sin, a life of discouragement. And a life of coming judgment with no hope of anything better than what they have right now. But Jesus came to be the great deliverer from all of that. But thanks be to God and his loving grace. And by his will, look at that, his will, no one else's, that we have this great deliverance through Jesus Christ, his loving son. Amazing. Amazing, isn't it? Now, verse 5. God gets the glory in verse 5. To whom be glory forever and ever. To whom be dignity, honor, praise, worship, adoration. To whom be glory forever and ever. Paul was making a statement here, guys. Out of all of this introduction that I gave you, God is the one that gets all this glory. He's the one deserving of everything. So when we look at our lives, guys, give God the glory. Don't pat yourself on the back. Don't pat me on the back. Don't pat your brother on the back. 
Thank the Lord for the person next to you that God's using. And give God all of the glory. So, let's finish here. Let's take a quiz today in closing. Here's your quiz. You got your pencil and paper out? Okay. Let's take our quiz. All right. As you sat and listened, who is this Jesus as described by Paul? Who is this Jesus as described by Paul from the Holy Scriptures? All right. That's, that's quiz question number one. Who is this Jesus? Quiz number two, question number two. Have you believed in him as the scriptures say, guys? Not as anyone else says. Have you believed in Jesus as the scriptures say? Here's the next question for our quiz. Is he Lord of your life? Does he sit on the throne of your life? Here's the next one. Is your heart ruled by peace or is it ruled by confusion and not knowing or anything? Because I'm telling you, if it is, it's not of God. God is not the author of confusion. He's God of peace. Even if it's difficult. Even if the storms are like questionable, I don't know. But God's going to give you the peace. So that's that question. Then the last question is, have you experienced this great deliverance from this present evil age. And whether you're here or on Facebook, if you haven't, now is a great opportunity to bow your head and do business with God and tell him that you need him and tell him, I want this grace of forgiveness of my sins. And I need that peace that I have not had. And I want it, but it comes through believing, like the scripture says about who Jesus is. And he will change your life and make you new. So, take a minute. I want you to think all of this through. And until next time when we meet again into Galatians, read it, study it, go through it. Write down some beautiful things that God has given you for, for who knows, around here, for maybe at your job. Remember, God's word is powerful, and he's going to change our lives as we go through the study of Galatians. Let's ask God's blessing together. Father, we want to thank you and take an opportunity to say that your word spoken to us this morning. We believe your word, we trust your word, and we want to walk in your word. Give us strength, we pray today and throughout this week, not to compromise with the world. Give us strength this week to accept this wonderful free gift of grace over our lives and every day that we live as Christians. And maybe some of those that may not be Christians have the saving grace come upon their life. And that, Lord, after that, we want to experience the peace that only you can give. So please, answer this prayer for us this week, Father, as we bring it to you, trusting and knowing you. In Jesus' precious name, we ask your blessings, Father. Amen.